everyone. Welcome to Pig Skin Pandemic featuring Kevin, Matt, and Dave. Just your three regular everyday guys just giving you their opinions on the latest and upcoming NFL news. Things may get a little steamy or a little wild, but hey, it will always be unscripted and real. Let's listen in and see what they have to say this week. Pigskin Pandemic, I am your host, Kevin, and I have Matt and Ben with me, and we are doing the goings on of the NFL for week number four. Uh, week number four was pretty... Uh, What's the word I want to use this week? Entertaining and, and, and interesting. Because we had, we had in the middle of the week, we had teams cancel. We had, um, we had players getting this COVID-19, acting reckless. Uh, we've, had, we've had crazy games. We had two Monday night games. So we're going to jump right into it. Uh, one of the things that we want to do is, you know, the reason why we – uh, labeled this as the pigskin pandemic is because of this right here, this week four. Uh, it was said at some point uh, between, you know, the little little rumblings that, hey, the NFL may not make it to week eight. And, you know, they're canceling games. They're, 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 people are catching this virus. They're acting out of order. They're acting reckless. And they are jeopardizing this season. And we want to get into what should have happened like how how do they prevent or looking back at it what are some of the things that they could that they could have done uh, differently i say they should have done a uh, a bubble in three or four different areas so that they could contain this virus much like the nba i think that that should have been something that should that should have been done i can explain that later um ben what do you think that should have been done maybe around the time where the NBA said, hey, we need to rethink our thoughts about this thing. And the NFL was watching. So what do you think should have happened at that time? Well, I think that, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that the reality is they don't have the option of doing the bubble the same way as the, uh, as the, NBA did it, you know, that just the numbers don't match up that way. That's what every expert under the sun says. So to me, the thing that you had to do is you had to find a way to make those numbers match up as close as possible. Um, yeah, we just lost Matt. Um, yeah, thank you. And he's back. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, you had to find a way to make those, uh, th- those numbers match up as much as possible as you could. And to me, the way that you would do that, it's very outside the box. It's very counterintuitive. But to my mind, it's the only thing that made sense uh, is to limit the number of teams. It, it, in my mind, the best way to do that would be essentially to take the teams that were in the playoffs from last year. So you have good teams that were there. You have teams that were popular, you have teams that have good players on them. And you take those teams, and instead of trying to do a regular season the way that they're doing it um, or recreate that in any way, you just do a version of a tournament, like a round-robin-style tournament, um, that you just have all those teams mixed up together and have every team play each other, whatever the math works out to being for that. And, And again, it's not to determine a normal regular season champion. It's to determine this very specific asterisk season 
that was, you know, because of pandemic, but here's real football with real players that you know, that you like, and you know, here's, here's a version of professional football that people will still watch. Um, to me, that was the way you could do it to be able to, to mitigate the numbers, to be able to be comparable to what the NBA had. Uh, in my mind, that would probably be something like the top two teams from every division. But again, I'm open to whatever the mathematics are to working that out, to getting the numbers down to being where they need to be at. Um, it's unfortunate because it would exclude a lot of teams. But at the same time, this is not a normal year. Nothing was normal about it. So why try and pretend like it's normal? All the leagues that did that ha- are suffering the consequences. Baseball suffered the consequences. They got it figured out mostly, but, you know, they still had their issues. The, the leagues that didn't, NBA and NHL, figured their stuff out early on. They're the ones that have been able to go on and have a successful actual season. That's the way I see it. So you wanted to be where the top two teams from each division, <clears throat> which would be – Or something like that. Let's, let's, take, let's take it as – you know, as what it's worth, it would be the top two teams in the division. So you would have the Eagles, mm-hmm. the the Eagles and the Cowboys. You would have the Saints. Well, with that division, so bad for me. So the Saints and the uh, probably the Falcons. Then you would have uh, the San Francisco and Seattle, uh, Green Bay and Minnesota, uh, Buffalo and New England. Kansas City and the Chargers. Just to go back on the um, NFC East, there'd be uh, um, Eagles, Washington, actually. Well, no, from last year, the top two. Uh, were I thought you meant as Eagles and Dallas. I see. Tennessee and the Colts, and then uh, missing one. The one is going to be Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Right. Uh, am I missing any? I think that well, would have been it, right. right? So all those... and again, I'm not married necessarily to that number. You know, I would leave it to somebody certainly smarter medically, mathematically to figure out, okay, this is how many guys we have on every team. This is the minimum number of roster spots we can afford to do. We can use a reduced coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. But that would be, and... that would be pretty much your, that would be pretty much your, you know, your cloud idea. In the cl- yeah, exactly. In the and, and, and again, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a regular season structure in any way. It would be, here's these eight, 12 teams, yep. you know, and, and they're all going to play each other. We're going to just design a round robin tournament for all of them to play each other. And at the end of it, we're going to give a special end of pandemic season trophy. Here it yep. is. Okay. So you're, you're, you're the head of the NFL and, you get to choose how the NFL needs to move on the pandemic. Um, what would you have done differently than how they um, did it this year? You know, obviously, the, the more people you have together, the greater the risk. So separate offense and defense, have them travel separately. I mean, these are multi-billion dollar teams. You can't, you're not going to convince me chartering an extra jet or having another bus is going to be that big of a problem. There's also a number of like um, filters and things out there that actually will scrub the air of the COVID. So I don't know why like clubhouses and things of that nature aren't already equipped with them. And wouldn't you want them all, you know, like, again, wouldn't you want those things uh, extended to your players? Um, uh, additionally, I guess I would have, uh, I would have looked to limit the, um, you know, how like the, I guess the rosters are uh, 53 men or whatever. I would have looked to limit that. I mean, practice squad would have been something that didn't really 
ever um, interact with the rest of the team, things like that. You know, like I don't okay. I, don't get me wrong. I know practice squad is essentially there so that they can like there's somebody to scrimmage against, but essentially, really, practice squad is just to make your roster a little bit deeper. Um, it's just a. Uh, I guess it's it's one of those things where you can talk and talk and talk about all the things that might have been done or could have been done better or whatever, but it's just we're just um, you're just kind of arguing or you know it's conjecture at this point. Like we still there's still so much shit about it we don't know and there's still so many things that have yet to come out. Um, I don't know that there's any real right way to do it when you're talking about staff uh, the size of a football team, you know, with the trainers, the coaches, you know, 53 individual men, families that may want to be around their, you know, the respective player, things like that. I don't know if there's any real perfect way to, to do it. Um, I will say that I'm surprised that up to this point, they've been able to uh, contain as much of it as they have. I would have thought by now it would have been much more widespread. Agreed. So, and I think this past week is unfortunately going to be the tip of the iceberg, not the oh, this was our this was our little hiccup, and everything else is right. going to be sunny days from here on right. out. Right. I feel like they could have. I think I, I could do a hybrid of what um, Ben was saying, but then add a little twist. So <clears throat> you could include all of the teams. And what you did was what you could do is you could essentially set up um, uh, you could set up bubbles in each portion of the country. So, for example, so that and, and look, well, let me back up some a little bit. So each division would only play their division and you would have a shortened season. So instead of 16 games. Because the more games you play, the more risk you run. You play eight games. And out of those eight games, that winner out of those eight games or nine games or what have you, now they're the winner of that division. They go on and then they play in a designated area in the United States where they would have the playoff bubble, much like what baseball is doing right the now. The difference, though, real quick, and I'm sorry to uh, cut you and, off, is the difference <clears throat> is the money in baseball is guaranteed. The, the, the money in these other sports is guaranteed. You're, you're talking about literally taking game checks from guys who, without being able to play those games, they're not getting that money. So you're, the, the first hurdle right there is you're going to have to get the Players Association behind that with all these guys coming out, and especially in, in the league or the NFL where most guys aren't making much, you know, comparatively. I think that's a tough sell. And I also, I want to say one other thing. But, I am but, uh, completely opposed to the idea of rewarding teams for the past season and just based on what they did last year, uh, allowing them to succeed the following season. Not only is that just, it, it's defeating because you don't even have all the same guys, you know, like it's a completely different team. You're rewarding dudes who didn't earn it. You're taking away from guys who did, but you're also taking away from teams that have shown progress in the off season teams that got those draft picks that have guys that they need to put to work and put, put out there and, you know, give them a chance in a real NFL game. And instead you're giving the dudes from last year, that chance. Like it just seems to me like most, most of the, again, the players, union would be diametrically opposed to just gifting somebody 
their way into some sort of playoff situation, and especially with, again, with no guaranteed money where playoff bonuses and things of that nature exist in contracts. But then if you, if you, take, if you take what you're saying and you add it to Ben's idea, essentially you're taking um, uh, three-quarters of the, of the NFL and saying, well, this year you don't get a check. But I'm not suggesting that. So there is a way, right? Because and that, and that wouldn't be my solution. And, but there I is, I feel say like, just the same way they did. But there is a way. There is yeah. a way to mitigate that because, hey, if you're even if you're not invited, they sh- they can compensate you somehow, some way, even though you're not playing, even though the the and they can compensate the owners some type of way also because, I mean, at the end of the day, this billion dollar entity called the NFL can sit there and spread that money around just like they normally would. The owners can spread that money around just like they normally would every single season. And the owners still... But that money's you know, not coming in. Um, like, if you're not, if you're not playing the TV games, you're not getting the advertising revenue. If you're not filling the stands, you're not pulling all of that money in through all the, you know, concessions, you know, merchandise, all the other things that put money in your team's coffers. There's not all that money to spread around if... if but they're the, not. The other thing is, wouldn't the concession by the players like? Wouldn't the thing that the owners get would be the players showing up to play the games? The players are the product. So I mean, the, I just think that there's, it, it's, it's an easy thing to sit out there and say oh, all these things that they maybe should have done or whatever. But you look at what happened with baseball. Just to even get, to, it almost didn't happen. Just to get to a sixty-game season, it, it, it took an act of God. We would still be waiting right now. We would still be waiting for football to start if we did that. We would still be waiting for the players' union. Remember, this is a league that was just on the precipice of a lockout. So yeah, right. you're just, you, I, you, I just have a rough time digesting the notion that there's some sort of sh- shortened way that you could do this where the players – in a league where they're already grossly underpaid for the risks they put to their bodies and their, you know, their obviously their brains and things like that in a league where the money isn't guaranteed or where very few of the guys get superstar status and all the endorsements and things on that other end, on that end of things. And now you're going to tell them that, you know, we're going to cut this short. You're not going to get these extra checks. So dudes who are making like $600,000 a year are going to be dropped to 200 grand or some dudes may not even get that. They may get, a hundred grand a year because last year's team, which they were on, but now they've been traded last year's team is, is moving on to some sort of like playoff bubble. I don't know. I just think that if you're going to have the sport, I don't hate the fact that they're trying to have a regular sport, uh, have a regular season. I do just think that it's no matter how you look at it, having the season is flawed. It's. And, but at the oh, end... agreed. And, and, and my, my solution only comes from like, basically how do you, how do you make the best of a bad situation? I agree with you that the, the entire idea in general is flawed. It's just, how do you make the best out of a bad situation? And part of what I'm saying, you're, you're right. If you were trying to like do that midway through part of what I would suggest is that this would have been something you would have come to early on, maybe even like pre-draft or right around the draft where you, you know, made that same agreement, same kind of timing as the NBA and the NHL was, was doing that. Handled, that, and was, that, was, but, that was like April was the draft, and it wasn't until like right around uh, St. Patrick's Day that we finally had people acting like this was some sort of like, you know, situation um, that we all need to deal with. And again, no disrespect to the NBA, but again, you're talking well, again, about much but let smaller me cut numbers. In. Let, me cut in. let me cut in here. 
if you're let me let me, let me cut in here let me cut in here let me cut in here so with with what you're saying right you're you're gonna either way you look at it whether you play the season or you don't play the season because football's not guaranteed you're screwed either way because if I leave out three quarters of the of right. the teams they mm-hmm. don't get paid if I play everybody and by week eight we cancel the season now you have eight weeks of a check and then you have eight weeks of no payment. The people who got their guaranteed money up front just by being on the roster day one, they get their money up front. I get that. Great. Congratulations. I'm clapping mm-hmm. for you. But those guys that have to are they're living and and they need that check every single, you know, twice a month. What happens is they don't get that money. So then if you cancel the season, though, nobody but gets you know paid. They're going to they're going no, to play more, as many games as they can. Like there's more. And that's that's what I'm kind of getting. But no, at. No, there's no, more that's of those what I'm, guys. That's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's we say, well, why don't we just it's it's pointless to start the season. And I agree that it's pointless to start the season with the with the with the thought in the back of the head with uh, of, you know what, this might not go the whole season. What about these players that can't get these checks for the rest of the year, whether it's week four, seven, eight, ten. If you don't go through week 16, then at that point you're losing money. Okay, cool. But if you cancel the whole season and they say, scrap it, we're we're just going to wait until next year. The NFL continues to make money. Yes. But these players don't make that money from game one. So they would rather say, I'll risk everything for that check because I have to, quote unquote, feed my family on this check. And a lot of that feed my family is I got rent to pay. I still got these bills to pay. And I might be living check to check, even though I'm making millions and millions of dollars, I'm still living check also, to check. Also, tie that check so to if like you the can't... promise. Like that, that's the thing the NFL is selling them is the promise that this is going to go smoothly. And that's an easy thing to buy into when it's attached to a six or seven figure a year tag. You're absolutely I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm sure. With you. And let me let me give a clarification and what I was saying originally, like my my whole idea would have to come with the agreement and would have to come with the collective understanding that you're hitting pause. You're not, you're not taking what was there and trying to fit it into something else. You're literally saying, okay, basically, okay. So like in the same way, she's like, I don't want to reward last year's, you know, success to this year. You're not essentially what you're doing is you're carrying over. You're extending last season is all that I'm saying. Like basically you hit pause on the off season and say, no, we're pausing the rock before like that free. I mean, and unfortunately the pandemic just, I mean, in an ideal world, sure, sure. I can see how that, that would like satiate the need for sports or whatever. But I mean, the the way the pandemic came in and when it hit, I mean, we're talking, it was what a, a week and a half before the draft, two weeks before the draft, the draft happened. And then everything really started to grind to a halt. And then, that, I mean, realistically, the other thing is, too, with the, I, I understand the idea that they could have been working on it at the same time as the NBA, but what the NBA had that the NFL doesn't have is the NBA had yeah. the option to create a bubble. You just can't bubble 2,000 people. I mean, it, it, even the, I mean, no, look at the Olympics. True. That's, they, that's to- one of the biggest problems they have. They try to do it all the time with the Olympics, and meanwhile, they're like, they, they, they have one of the biggest, and forgive me for dragging this in, but they have one of the biggest issues with venereal diseases in the Olympic villages because they can't keep people out. <laughs> no, so what I'm saying is you have to think, like, this is on that. That's, that's on the fair. same scale of, like, an Olympic city. You're talking about a couple thousand well, here, people, the lodging, the logistics. All that. 
I feel, I no, feel I, like, I, I, I totally, like my, my idea wouldn't work unless you got that like early on prognostication the same way the NBA did and said, look, this is our idea and we're going to try this. And here's where I would make the argument that I would say that makes more sense than what they're doing. Because let's say it went the other way. Let's say that that was, that was hysterical and overreaction at the time, that this is our plan that we're going to do this pause on the off season. The worst case scenario of that is you carry that out to the end and, and it's a little bit of a, of a missed opportunity of a season, but you still have something you that know makes the NFL everybody can't money. Just say we're at, like the NBA no. did, we're going to do this because the NBA no. said that, and everyone's still making their money. All those new deals they signed, all that stuff, they're because, all getting paid their be, money because of, because the NBA contracts right. Are so you so the NFL can't just come in and say right. it's really no easy. no I, Again, I understand that it's it's those are options that the NBA had that the NFL just doesn't have because of the way it's structured and I just I. I feel. I feel. That, that's fair. Like I say, it just required everybody to collectively agree. We're not doing this normal. We're not doing this like the normal rules at all. We're all going to collectively agree that this is what's in the best interest for everybody, and basically making so it across the just, board collectively the same way as and we can leave it at this. This is the league that can't agree what it catches. And you want them to collectively agree how to restructure <laughs> the entire organization in a few months before the season? They don't know no, what catches. You know what they you you know what they should do. Here's what they should do, okay? Because when you look at what Tennessee, uh, what the Tennessee Titans did, it it is it is reported that the Tennessee Titans did something out of the ordinary or out of violation of the NFL rules of the COVID rules. And this is why they contracted the coronavirus. 19 people mm-hmm. basically uh, contracted this virus. What was done, we don't know. But I think that right. I think that Bo you trip. can it, it can be it can be done. Justin Bieber boat trip. If you're yeah, Justin Bieber, uh, <laughs> Justin Bieber who does. is it? New York. New York Giants boat trip. And Poor I Victor think, Cruz, man. The only time I ever looked down on him, it was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. I, I just think that I just um, think that their rules should have been a lot more. They their their rules should have been a lot heavier in terms of not going oh, yeah. somewhere. Or if you're in that, you know, in that area, you come down and you come down. If you're traveling, you you you. The schedule should have been where, and of course, you can't change the schedule so much. I mean, they are changing the schedule on the fly. However, um, traveling and, you know, separation of buses and just when you're at a home game, where you're allowed to go and where you're not allowed to go should have been monitored mm-hmm. more by the NFL. Because, of course, they can monitor you. They know where you're those going. They know what you're doing. What was that, uh, Ben? The, um, you remember we were watching, we were talking about, was that the Chiefs, the, those bracelets that they use? The they, yeah, they can yeah. monitor that to they, where they, they know exactly. You know, if you're, yeah. your if you're in the facility, you wear that bracelet, yeah. and it tells you who you've been around. It's like a complete contract. Yeah, I mean that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And if that that's that's one thing I could say, they should have implemented league wide. I mean, if it's not in every stadium, it needs to be. And then also what they're doing yeah. with the masks, they're talking about. Well, yeah, that, and that's and that's part of the problem with the way the NFL did. You know, all of this is they left it so much up to the right. individual clubs. They left it up to each right. individual owner. Come up with your own rules right. about your stadium based right. on your state. They left it up to each individual owner. Come up with your rules about 
how you're going to handle social distancing in your locker room. Come up with your own rule. You're like, they, no, no. You had to step in and say, these are the minimum designated guidelines that every See, single team has to follow. Can do that. And, you and if you don't implement something and say, this is what's happening. Yes, but there's, but. And just as we know, this commissioner is, is, you know, ballless to the owners. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he is an employee of the owners and they, they, they run rough shot and, over but him. You have to understand, and that's, but you that's have to where. Understand who the voices are in that room. The voices that like the NBA with the owners and Adam Silver are a different animal. If that was David Stern, they would be they would be treating That's him true. just like they're treating Roger Goodell. The only difference is David Stern will sit back and go, "Okay, this is what we're going to do, and I don't care what you say. Hmm. This is how we're going to do it, and if you don't do it, this is how I'm going to find you, and I'm going to find you so bad." That you're gonna wish that you listened to me before. Well, that's, that's Adam Silver is right. Adam Silver is well. Here, okay, so here's what we need to do to make sure that you make money and we make money, and the NBA is a great product, and he's on that side. Roger Goodell is okay. Yeah. So this is what we should do, guys. What do you think? No, you can't do right. that. It is because Jerry Jones right, right. and Robert Kraft are the loudest people in that room, and if Jerry Jones says. Correct. No, I'm not doing that. Now it's, yeah. oh, Shad Khan is saying, well, you know what? I don't think I want to do that either. And then you have. Well, and, and don't pretend that there's not a political aspect of this either, as far as exactly what you're talking about, as far as look at who the owners are in the NBA, look at who the guy running the NBA is, look at where their politics right. line up, and look at the NFL to that same end. Who are the loudest voices in the room, like you just mentioned, Kraft and Jones? Guess who they're right. voting for? guess what you know mentality they're they're right. falling in line behind that that made a huge difference in this whole decision making it was part of the reason why i was against it in the first place as, as part of, you know th that's why i knew the nfl wouldn't do anything close to my idea but at the same time if you say bet charge figure out a way to get this round peg in this square hole i think that's a solution ultimately my solution would have been listen football is not that important lives are important let's go ahead and, and devote our time and energy to you know what we can to help with this pandemic and if it turns out that everything gets fixed magically as, as suggested when it got warm outside then you know it, then fine then we'll all be wrong and we'll start figuring out a way to start i'm glad you're not commissioner again. but that's not what <laughs> i needed football <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I love football. Need it. I, I, I mean, just, I yeah. recognize it's a priority. Right, so we're you move. know, um, let's let's dive into some of these games that that actually did play on schedule, and one that kind of didn't play on schedule, but it played anyway. <laughs> um, Matt, what happened? What happened with those Giants, bro? <laughs> what do you mean? What happened with those Giants? They did exactly what everyone expected them to do. They went out there, and they played just enough to look like a football team, but not enough to win. I mean, you're dealing with the same problems. There's no, there's no real established run game. I, I will admit, Devontae Freeman did kind of um, open things up a little bit more than I, uh, I expected him to, um, and that gave did them they like look, kind of. Did they look any? Did they look any better? No, no. I mean, no. Uh, there's Daniel Jones. Still making the same mistakes. He's trying to force the football in some situations. Um, he's good for two turnovers a game, you know, whether he puts it on the ground or throws it to a cornerback. Uh, he's just um, 
he's still he's still got his growing pains. And again, like you know, I've always been opposed to anyone calling him Danny Dimes, but uh, I think that there's potential for him to be uh, a starting quarterback, even possibly for the Giants at some point. But we're never really going to know until that offensive line is fixed and. Those that O line, the, the woes there don't seem to be going anywhere. Even with the, the acquisition of Andrew Thomas, you look at the way that this uh, last draft went. There was four, uh, you know, real solid. Uh, what is it? Offensive tackles or guard? I can't remember what he. I think he is. Yeah. Oh, offensive tackle. Offensive um, lineman. Yeah, yeah. In, in the uh, in the draft, I personally like Tristan Wirfs, and the Giants took the first of them. They had Wirfs was at their disposal. And they let him go. He's looking pretty damn good down there in Tampa. And yeah. Thomas is struggling. And um, I watched a little uh, – I can't remember if I watched it or read it. I don't, I don't remember. I was reading a piece, I think, uh, on him. And they were just – I think it was uh, Billick. Uh, Coach Billick was talking about how he doesn't think Thomas is ever going to be um, able to, to play – you know, successfully on any line because he doesn't keep his feet planted. He kind of um, – he never he doesn't he doesn't start with his feet set and slide forward. He's always taking a step, and since he's always moving, it's almost impossible for him to stop the push of a defensive lineman. So you just look at that, and again, that all goes back to the Dave Gettleman thing, right? Where my at least where I where I stand, <laughs> I, I blame Dave Gettleman. This is a failure to evaluate talent effectively, and it's it's not just in his draft picks it's in his it's in his trades and in his free free agent acquisitions and things of that nature this team is suffering because one guy has driven them head on into oncoming traffic like he's not taking them down you know uh, to some sort of successful uh, destination. There's no big picture plan here. This is a guy who's literally throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks and the fans are suffering for it yet again. This is a team that deserved to lose. They don't play like they're going to win. And, you know, if you want to talk about, like, one one problem on that team that I don't really want to blame Dave Gettleman for, and it's probably Evan Engram. Evan Engram has to be better. You, you cannot be the preeminent tight end on a team these days and not catch the football. It just doesn't work. It, it doesn't. I, I agree. Um Especially when he looks so promising, you know, for a while there, and, and just seems to hit a wall. When I, you know, what what causes it? I'm ready to, the mystery. I'm ready to I'm ready to blow the whole thing up. All right, so we have we're we're we're, we're gonna we're talking about three teams, right? Giants, the Finns, and the Patriots, all who didn't really look all that great, right? So so mm-hmm. what did? How did the Finns look? How did the Dolphins look? On Sunday. I mean, listen, if you told me going into Sunday at any point in, you know, the previous however many weeks the offseason was that we were going to be within a score of Seattle in this game, I would have I would have taken that every single day. Um, it was still disappointing because, you know, once you get into the game and you get that close and you score five field goals, you know, in the red zone. And, you know, if you just punch one of those in, it makes a difference. Uh, the defense played well, you know, for the most part, like the entire game, except for giving up one really bad blown coverage at the end of the first half. He's a rookie corner. You know, I'm not going to, you know, eat his lunch for that. It's, it's, it's a shame. He's got no preseason. He's got no training camp. You know, it's, it's hard to be a rookie corner out there covering, you know, guys who have been in the league for four or five years that are, are playing with maybe the best quarterback 
in football right now. Uh, if you told me that we were going to be able to shut Russell Wilson down the way that we did, um, that he was not going to just absolutely destroy oh, us, well, like you, like then you, like I, I would have like taken that all the time. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson has, has made a meal out of, you know, every other team they've played this year, practically. Um, you know, so I feel good as a Dolphins fan in the progress the defense made this week. It sucks coming up short. Um, it sucks that they stuck with Fitzpatrick in it, in the sense of I'm not sure what the virtue is in that at this stage. Uh, to me, the offensive line has shown enough um, that you can feel comfortable uh, with making the transition to Tua, even if not necessarily in a permanent fashion. At the end of that game, where you were, you know, two plus scores down, um, and and you said, you know, well, what's your realistic chance of coming back in this thing? pretty minimal uh let's get the kid in there but let's get him in there and see what you know let's see what's there um to me that was the better move to do but i do put a lot of faith in this coaching staff they've made good decisions so far i'm not in a rush to get to out there i didn't think we were going to be a playoff or a super bowl team this year so you know you're, you're looking for progress and there was progress um it's it's disappointing because when you come that close to beating an elite team you know, you, you say, man, if we just could have got one of those, one of those field goals in the end zone, that's, that's all. Then, you know, that we're talking about the upset of the week and the dolphins are the story. And fantastic. I mean, I mean, Wilson carved y'all up. He just didn't run wild. Like he didn't run and make the scrambles like he did against new England a week before. So against new England, he carved us up. And he was running all over the place, and I think that's where you limited him. And I, he didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't throw. I mean, and honestly, if you take out that one possession at the end of the first half, if you take out that one possession, his numbers are good, but not Russell Wilson good. Right. And, it, and sometimes it only takes that one possession. It takes that one drive. It takes that true. You know that one bucket in the NBA. Oh well, or that that one run. Oh well. You know, he only had a 60-yard run, and out of that, you know, he has 100, 120 yards, but 60 of that came on one run. Yes, but it took that one run to open things up for your team and mm-hmm. change the momentum. Those things change the momentum. and Completely, and it was, it was the usual Patriots, you know, scenario that happens, um, you know, that, that is one of the most brilliant things that I'm shocked still that not every single team in the NFL doesn't emulate. Um, that it's really the Patriots and, you know, like the Seahawks and the Steelers are kind of the only ones I ever see really do it consistently is always defer yes. because if you yes. can get the last possession of the first half and the first possession of the second half, you can take at minimum a six to a yeah. 14 point swing, you know, in a game. And, and that sometimes, especially if you have a defense that's worth yeah. a damn, that can be, you know, everything. That's, and that's what it was in this game. We were, one score out, we scored a field goal instead of a touchdown, so we were going into the half behind. But if you had held them to a field goal or if you had held them to no points on the board, then you're, you're in striking distance going into the second half. Instead, they score seven, yeah. now they're up by four. Then they come out the second half, they score seven, now they're up yeah. by 13. And the, right. game's, the game's out of reach when you know, that's how it happens. So it's disappointing, but like I say – I'm not ever judging the Dolphins this year or last year on like, oh, I expect to make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. I expect to see forward progress and 
hopefully I see Tua soon to see what we have there. And and that's all I'm looking for as a Dolphins fan. So I had the uh, privilege or whatever you want to call it to watch this Patriots game <laughs> last night. And uh, Jesus Christ, I... <laughs> I Brian Hoyer doesn't oh set your toes to tap it. So when they when they started Brian Hoyer over uh, Jason Stidham, I I figured one of there was two reasons. One is because Brian Hoyer with you got to remember they didn't have too much of any type of practice um, with Hoyer or Stidham all week long, and then come the week the the weekend Cam gets COVID and. You go, okay, so who knows the offense better? Well, Brian Hoyer, because he's been in the offense for so long, so you figure he knows the, you know, the protections and the, um, the audibles and things like that. And he did okay until you get down in the red zone and it's the end of the half and you take a sack. And you just hold on to the ball and you hold on to the ball and you hold on to the ball and you take a sack. And it's like, dude, this is one thing that you cannot do is take a sack in the red zone when your team is down six to three. Our defense, for the most part, is the only defense that has held Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs scoreless in the first half three times. Well, without a touchdown three times. We're the only team that's done it. And we knew going in that if we just kept it close and we could kind of run the ball and keep them off the field, then we, we had a shot. And, and we, and we could have had Brian Hoyer not taken that sack. We could have went into at, at halftime at least 6-6 six, six, and said, okay, we still have a game. But we take a sack. And then you turn around and you get the ball back in the second half and you, you get in the red zone and you jack it again. And you're just like, dude, what are you – what? What are you doing? So they pull Hoyer. They put in Stidham, and he proceeds to throw the, the first touchdown. And you look in and you go, all right, we got we, we ride the ship. And they made the right choice. And bam, he jacks up twice. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And I look back, and I hate to say it this way. I do. I hate to say it. But if Cam Newton was in the game, we probably win that game. And the only reason why I say that is because you get down in the red zone and you're there at the um, – there were a couple times we were there at the five, and I just had no – I just had no faith that we could bang it in. I had no faith that we could get it a touchdown there. And with Cam, at least he could run it and keep the defense honest. At least he could open some things up. I mean – um and they just didn't have that element there. Did I miss Cam Newton? I missed the element of <clears throat> him being able to run, get that first down, or not make the silly mistakes that Hoyer and Stidham did. Yes, I missed that part. Would he have been able to throw it all over across the field? Probably not. But I also think that if Cam is in the game, um, Kansas City's defense plays differently. They played. They knew that they were going to run the football, so um, they kind of loaded the box up. 
but we still ran it. And the bright spot was Damian Harris. I've been banging on the table for this guy since he got drafted. And I told you guys that as soon as he came in, he was going to make a difference. And he made a world of difference just because he hit the hole a lot faster than Sonny Michelle. He was banging and banging and banging. And then at some point, he's going to break one because he did that at Alabama. That's just his game. Sony can't do that, and he's not a banger. And you can't give him the ball 15 to 20 times. You can give him the ball 10, but you can't give him the ball 20, 25 times and just have him just run the football. So I, I was okay with the loss because I knew they were going to lose. I didn't know that the offense was going to look that bad. Um, and I'm, I'm going to circle back to the offense at some point later on in the show, if that's any indication. Ben, so um, um, yeah, we just looked terrible on offense. Our offensive line played a lot better. Um, we did run the ball really well, which is our our staple. Um, Nikhil Harry played really; he played decent. Um, but other than that, those turnovers, Jesus Christ, those turnovers. So I now see why Stidham is third string. I see why. Hoyer is just there as a body, and it's camera bust. And that makes me very nervous as a Patriots fan that it's camera bust. Because as soon – Well, especially be, after you don't know what's going to happen, you know, health-wise, both, as we've talked about in weeks past, taking the bang that he's doing, no, and no, no, now no. add into that. it, you know, Not COVID. He bangs and gets injured. I only have to look forward to Stidham and Hoyer. Yay! What the hell? Like, like that's, what yeah. <laughs> that's who I got to look forward to coming in when Cam gets hurt. My only question for you, as a, my my only question for you as a, a Patriots guy for for Harris, I think he looked very good, but I think you're right on your assessment about how you have to use him. My only thing with that is that's not how the Patriots typically deploy their backfield. They usually don't, you know, pick one workhorse and and run that workhorse. Maybe that changes because they get a guy that they feel like, they you know, they, is the guy. They changed that Corey a few years ago but... um, because they, they didn't have that number one back that could bang you 25 times. They did have – they did yeah, have Yeah, that's one, what I say, but, but it, just – it would be a surprise to see that suddenly come out of a Patriots offense that, that you're going to feed one running back when you've got Michelle White, Burkhead – and Harrison all active on game day um, that you're going to feed that one guy the the necessary 18, 20, 25 touches that I think he needs as a back in order to really be effective. So I'm, I'm curious to see if that happens because, and I'm curious also because I just picked him <laughs> up in fantasy. So, you know, so here's how I, 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 he needs a couple more games to prove that he can do to, he can carry that workload. And with Sony Michelle on IR, he's going to take these next three games and he has to prove it. And I think he's going to prove it. The thing is, is that it's going to limit Rex Burkhead. So the, the stable of backs that they had, which was Michelle, Burkhead, and White, Burkhead is going to be gone. James White is getting old and he's going to phase out. Now you're going to have Harris, Michelle, and the young guy that was that, that came undrafted, there's going that's going Taylor. to be their next three, and it's going to be Damian Harris is running back mm-hmm. number one, 
Sonny Michelle's going to pull back the running, and he's going to fit that Rex Burkhead role, and Taylor's going to fit the James White role. You could be right, but it's it'd be surprising to me to see that offense shift in that way, especially mid-year. Well, but they're running could the happen. football. That's what they – they can't – they don't have the receivers to now – or the quarterback to chuck it across the field 40 to 45 times a game anymore. They don't have Tom Brady to chuck it around the field 40 times, 45 times. So now they have to rely on that running game. Now, their running game is great right now. They're top three in running. But that's because they're running the ball 50 times. So if you're running it 50 times and Cam gets, you know, five to ten carries, Damian Harris can get 25 of those carries. Because now there's that's 35 carries, and now there's another 15 carries to go to maybe one or two more backs. Rex Burkhead doesn't carry a lot. Of, he, doesn't, he doesn't carry the ball a lot. So you'll see Damian Harris bring 20 times or run the ball 20 times. And what that does is if you can take some of those carries away from Cam where he doesn't have to run the ball as much and you have a big, huge back, because when was the, the last huge back that they had was Christian Gray. And he played that one game. Remember, he played the one game. He got 208 yards and he got cut because he was late to a a meeting or a practice, and he got cut. That was the last big back that we had. LeGarrette Blunt wasn't that guy that could carry the yeah. ball 20 times because he just wasn't in shape like that. So you have a guy now who's young. You, let, you, you kept him on the shelf last year to recover from all of the carries that he had in Alabama because he had a ton of them. And you, and you rest his body for a year. You bring him in, the, and he learns the system. He comes in that following year, and now he's going to be the back that they need. That takes the, that takes the load off the of can. But he has to be that guy that they can rely on, and he has, to, he has to do that in the next three weeks. Because when Sonny Michelle comes off IR, he's going to be ready to run. But if you have a decision to go Damian Harris or Sonny Michelle, and Harris is handling the business, they're going to do the exact same thing that they did with Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. If, as long as he's doing the work, and he, you're running the hot hand, he's going to continue with the hot hand. And Sony's just going to fade back to running back number two. So, <clears throat> with that being said, I'm going to turn this back to – I'm going to take a pause, actually, right here. Um, because, you know, me and Ben, we were slinging some things around and with this podcast. And he said, you know what, guys? I have this special announcement to make. So, I'm going to take – this time out to send it over to Ben because he has a special announcement to make for you guys. Take a listen. Thanks, Kevin. I, I want to thank everyone for joining us on the Pigskin Pandemic Podcast. I want you to know we're available now on Anchor, Apple, and Google Podcast, also Spotify, and wherever else you usually find your favorite podcast. Please tell your friends, leave us any comments you have about the show, and a five-star rating would also be great. Uh, keep an eye out for our Facebook page, which is coming soon. Uh, I want to just thank you all for listening. And remember, please stay safe out there. Thanks, and Ben, vote. for that. Okay, everyone. That's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening in. Don't forget to join us next week as we hear more of the guys' opinions as they talk about the news on the NFL. Goodbye.